Praise the Lord, everybody. Welcome to the broadcast today. Well, we have finally come to the very last broadcast on the book of Revelation. We are in chapter 22. Uh, I could have done this all uh, 21 and 22 together, but I decided not to do that. So there's another week here where we can uh, come together around the book of Revelation again. Listen, I want to tell you some of the things that God's dealing with me about presenting uh, in the near future. We want to look at 38 prophecies. We're going to do a whole series on this in the future. 38 prophecies that could not have been fulfilled until our generation. And I believe that's going to be a very powerful series uh, as we look into the Word of God. I'm also preparing to teach a series on the holiness of God. You know, everybody wants the grace and the mercy, and rightfully so. But I want to show you how that holiness is part of God's grace, and holiness is part of God's mercy extended to our lives. Because we can't really be holy without the help of the Holy Spirit. And if we have the Holy Spirit, then what will be produced from us? Holiness. You've got it. That's right. So it's going to be some exciting uh, classes in that. Uh, we are working. It, it may take several months, maybe a year, two years to put it all together, but on the life of Christ, a verse-by-verse -verse study through the book of Mark. And that's going to be interesting and enlightening, I believe. We also want to do some studies on faith some studies on healing. Uh, we wanted to take a look at some of the biblical principles involved in Romans chapter 6, chapter 7, and chapter 8. Praise God. Uh, these are all things that in my time of research and in my time of prayer and devotion before God, these are things that God is preparing for us to teach. And so, please, if you would, Tell your family and your friends and your loved ones about the programming because we will not duck the hard issues. And we will now, on my YouTube channel, I put up mostly devotions, although we do have plans that involve a couple years from now of putting up some of the entire telecast uh, on our YouTube channel. Right now, we pretty much just do brief devotions to encourage all of us in the last days that we're living in to not quit, not give up, live for Jesus, die to self and let Christ live big within you. All of these things is pretty much all I touch on YouTube. This is the format right here where I will, I will deal with the issues of our day. Uh, I, I purposely avoided that through this study of Revelation because I just wanted to give you a generic uh, because there's so many ways we could take the book. There's so many uh, trails that we could travel down, and it would have taken us. We, we'd probably right now, if we were studying absolutely everything we could find to bring out from Revelation, we would probably still be on chapter 4 right now. And of course, you know chapter 4 aired several weeks ago. So we wanted to keep this one generic. But we've read it all together, you and me. And we have touched the high points and outlined it. And we've looked at some nuggets that have been contained uh, in it. But today we've come to the final chapter. 
<laughs> Praise be to God. The final chapter in the book of Revelation. And I don't really know exactly yet from the Lord what's going to be the next series. So you'll just have to wait and be surprised next week. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So let's start in Revelation 22, verse 1. We're going to look at the water in the New Jerusalem. And he shewed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. So this city is going to have an abundant water supply. The whole earth will have an abundant water supply. And this verse states that there will be a pure river of life proceeding out of the throne of God. According to other scriptures that are relative to our study, there will also be 12 rivers. We're going to see that in verse 2. And there will be living fountains of water, Revelation 7, 17. All of which waters will be as clear as crystal. Again, you know, mankind has done an awful lot in his fallen condition to destroy pretty much this planet that God gave us. God's creation in the beginning was beautiful. It was perfect. It was everything that He envisioned for the earth to be, to bless the inhabitants that He would create, and then they would procreate. But because of sin, and because of the fall, everything's been corrupted. I mean, we have poured toxic wastes into our waters on planet earth. We have polluted the air. We, we, we have done things that God never intended, and it was sin that drove that engine. So we're going to see complete reversal of all of that in the future New Jerusalem for all of eternity. So the waters are not the means of eternal life, but water is involved in the life-giving process and life-sustaining processes as well. So, they are referred to as living fountains of water. Verse 2, Revelation 22, verse 2. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life. Now, this listen to this part. It's so interesting. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree, the leaves of the tree of life, were for the healing of the nations. Now I want to stop there, uh, and just make an observation. In the garden, there were two trees. There was the tree of life, and there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God came down and told Adam of that tree which was in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it lest you die. And of course what took place there when Adam and Eve partook of that tree, Eve first and then Adam, they didn't fall over dead, but they died spiritually. The tragedy of disobedience is instant separation from God. And that's what happened. 
the tree of life was there. And lest Adam and Eve and their children would eat of the tree of life and live forever in their sins, God drove them from the Garden of Eden. He banished them from the Garden. That was an act of love. It was judgment at, the, at that moment. It was judgment. You, you disobeyed me. You have to go. You have to leave. That was judgment. But it was an act of love because if God would not have done that, Adam and Eve would have lived forever in their sins and there would have been no hope of salvation for them. And you think about it for a moment. God had to banish man from mankind, men and women, from the Garden of Eden. Could you imagine a man like Adolf Hitler eating from the tree of life and living forever in his vile, wicked condition? Could you imagine the ramifications? And so, I guess my point would be this, even as we've been through this book and we've seen all of the horrific judgments of God upon a wicked world, that deserves it. We also see how it's an act of the love of God to bring those judgments because it will aid in purifying eternity future for those of us who have received Christ and been forgiven of our sins. And every man, every woman, every boy, every girl has equal opportunity to receive Jesus. And so they are without excuse and deserving of these final judgments that we've looked about in Revelation as it comes upon planet Earth. But God is doing it out of love because this new, eternal, future place of inhabitation for God's choice creation, man, mankind, humans, It'll be so beautiful, so glorious. There will be no sin. There will be no sorrow. There will be no heartache. There will be no tears or crying. And the tree of life will once again be available to humanity. And it will be the healing of the nations, the Bible says. The teaching of this passage seems to be that in the middle of each of the twelve streets, on either side of the rivers, there are trees of life. It appears that these streets are twelve uh, great broadways, such as superhighways, leading from the throne to the twelve gates, and that there will be a river of living water flowing down the middle of each street, and the trees of life on either side. And it would quite naturally mean that there will be 12 rivers as well as 12 streets and not just one street, one river, and one tree. It does refer to the nations eating off the tree, but the same language used regarding the street is also used in reference to the river. If there are 12 streets, then it's likely there would be 12 rivers. For just one river would not correspond with the rest of Scripture. The word for river is translated in the plural in Revelation 8, 10 and Revelation 16, 4. And the plural word for fountain is used in Revelation 7, 17 and Revelation 16, 4. Each month, these trees of life will bear a different kind of fruit. 
You think of it. Glory be to God. There will not be 12 kinds of fruit produced 12 times during the year. Each of the 12 trees will not bear one particular fruit month after month. The leaves of the trees are also special for their purpose is being for the preservation of the natural life of coming generations. This has nothing to do with the healing of sickness, pain, or like things of that nature, for the curse will have been lifted. So that, that when it says the trees are for the healing of the nation, it's not talking about healing of cancers and, and healing of tuberculosis and, and healing of arthritis and healing of high blood pressure, these type of things, because all of that will already be gone. There will be no cancer. <laughs> Hallelujah. There will be no heart attacks. Amen. There will be no strokes in eternity. This is referring to life-giving properties and the ability to procreate life. The trees and the rivers will be a distinct divine provision for the pleasures of life for all peoples. The residents of the New Jerusalem will enjoy the fruit of these trees as was promised to the overcomer. The fruit will also be a source of enjoyment for the nations. The leaves will be a provision from God for preservation of natural life and eternal health. Praise God. Revelation 22 verses 3 and 4. And there shall be no more curse. And I'll say it again. Hallelujah to God. Glory be to Jesus. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And His servants shall serve Him. And they shall see His face. And His name shall be in their foreheads. The fulfillment of the promise to the overcomer in Revelation 3.12 is the conclusion of John's vision of the new heaven and the new earth the heavenly Jerusalem, the eternal kingdom. There is no more curse or evil, but the abiding blessings of God's presence and glory are what is in our grasp in eternity. Amen. You know, it's it, that verse of, of Scripture, uh, actually it was a verse of explanation, explaining how the fruit of the trees will be an enjoyment to people. Today, neighbor friend of mine, in our busy, hectic, and crazy world, sometimes we truly lose sight of just how pleasant it is, just how enjoyable it is to sit down under a tree and eat a piece of fruit that you enjoy. And we don't think in those terms because our minds are always racing a thousand miles an hour through our earthly lives. And so many things that God has created for us to enjoy, we miss it. We don't value it heavily enough because we're so crammed full of technology and busyness. But in this day, we will not take for granted the beauty of anything, the taste of anything, the provision of God in any way but we will have all of eternity to just appreciate it all. We will have to run nowhere. We will have to hurry to get nowhere. We will have all of eternity to appreciate the goodness 
of our God. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that. Yes, I am. Praise be to God. We will be with Him. We will serve Him. We will see His face. What glory to behold Him face to face awaits us for all of eternity. And it brings us to our last long section of Scripture with a concluding invitation. The Holy Spirit instructed the Apostle John to conclude the book of Revelation with an invitation. And precious it is, every moment that humans have to get right with God. Listen to the words. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. You see, I don't really care what people believe. I don't really care what the skeptics and the doubters believe. These words are faithful and true. I banked my whole life on it. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent His angel to show unto His servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. That is one of the five basic messages of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It should be heralded from every church in the land, every church around the world. Jesus saves. Jesus heals. Number two. Jesus baptizes in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues according to Acts 2 and 4. Number three. Jesus empowers to live a holy life. And Jesus is coming again. In a nutshell, we see the Gospel and every doctrine of the Word of God is somewhere in some aspect revealed to us in the book of Revelation. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then said he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. And so I'll interject this at this point before we pick up our reading again, and I'll say this to you with all the love and kindness that I know how to say it, but we don't worship saints. We don't worship statues. We don't worship preachers or priests we worship God we worship Jesus Christ and that's what it means to be a Christian as well and he saith unto me seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book so Daniel you remember was a sealed book and it was beginning to be revealed when it began to come to pass let me say that again the prophecies of Daniel, God told the prophet to seal them up. And that they would be revealed 
as they began to come to pass. Revelation, not so. When Revelation was given to John, probably in about 95 A.D., he wanted it to be open so that all could come and in the Holy Spirit receive illumination from it even right then. So Revelation has never been a sealed book. For the time is at hand. And listen to this. The time is at hand. These prophecies are about to start. Some of the prophecies of the Word of God that point to the signs of the times have already been happening. Some of them have been happening for 30 or 40 years. Many prophecies were fulfilled back in the day, so to speak, that the prophets gave them. And they have a double meaning and a double fulfillment. We didn't go into that teaching uh, during the book of Revelation, but there are prophecies in the Word of God that have already been fulfilled, but have a double fulfillment. And so will be fulfilled again. The Scripture says there's no new thing under the sun. Everything that's been done shall be done again. And we could proceed to look at some of those prophecies in a future series of teachings. Okay? The time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Now that doesn't mean... I mean, you've got to say these things, because some people today just get some wild ideas. That does not mean, for our time frame, Go ahead and keep sinning if you're sinning. What it means is there's coming a time when there's going to be no possible reversal of condition. It'll either be at our death or at that final judgment which we are past that time. We're standing looking back from the perspective of eternity here in the book of Revelation. And there is a time coming, that's why it's so important that you get it right with God today, because there's a time coming when you will no longer be able to reverse your eternity, to reverse your condition, to reverse your judgment. There's coming a time when the holy will be holy. And the filthy will be filthy, in other words. So I implore you today, if, you, if you're listening to this radio broadcast, and perhaps you've been listening for a while, I got a testimony from a guy the other day in a different part of the world. He's not from America. And he said, I listened for months, and now I'm ready to give my heart to Jesus Christ. I rejoice over that. Oh, I rejoice over that. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Don't put it off any longer. If you don't know Jesus today, you can ask Him into your heart. You can ask for forgiveness of your sins. You can determine to repent, 
which means turn the other way. And this time, don't go back towards your sin. Go the way God wants you to go. Go to the cross, hallelujah. And the Holy Spirit will empower you to live a holy life. You can make that choice today. There will be times you will stumble and you will fall, but God will pick you up. If you reach a hand up toward God, He'll grab it, hallelujah, and He'll start you back on the road to glory. Hallelujah to God in the Lamb forever. Make that calling and election sure today because we have no promise of tomorrow. None. Let us live for Jesus. Let us walk with Jesus. Let us be obedient to Jesus and the power of His Spirit. Because there will come a day when there is no reversal. I know that our Catholic friends teach the doctrine of purgatory. And they require money of the masses to pray the soul of their dead loved ones out of purgatory. But purgatory, my friend, does not exist. There's no such thing as purgatory taught in your Bibles. None whatsoever. If you were to close your eyes in death, your eternity is already sealed at that moment. Only while you live, only while you breathe, can you receive Christ and receive heaven in Jesus' name. Okay. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Now let me stop there and add this again. I talked about this a few times in this series. This is not referring, this part of that section is not referring to salvation. There's one work that's involved in salvation. And that is the work of repentance and receiving. Repent of sin and receive Jesus Christ. That's it. It's faith. It's not works. You could not say that a person could not have to do anything to be saved because they have to repent and receive. So there is a work involved, but it's faith. You didn't save yourself. Jesus Christ died for you to be saved. And when you believe on Him, you are born again. Okay? But, you will be judged according to your works at the judgment seat of Christ, which takes place during the Great Tribulation in heaven, will be the, the marriage supper of the Lamb and the judgment seat of Christ. And we covered that briefly. And so, the, the, the real... Believer doesn't say, well, I don't care if I lose reward, at least I made it in. Ha 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 ha. That's really not the heart of somebody who loves Jesus, okay? So my point is, it matters what we do. It matters that we do good works. It matters. And good works are as follows. They are that which the Holy Spirit puts in our hearts to do. 
So it could be the smallest little detail, but if we walk by someone on the street and they are hungry and we feel this prompting inside us, I should help that person, then go on ahead and do it. Be obedient to that prompting because it's probably the Holy Spirit. And if you don't, then you lose reward. Yes, you're saved. Yes, you'll be in heaven if you've received Jesus Christ and been born again and washed in the blood. But you don't want to lose reward. And the, the, the biggest thing is, you don't want to hurt God's heart. The God that loved you so much that He died to save you. Okay. Jesus is speaking. He says, I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they might that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates of the city. Now that's not teaching law there. But if you, if you follow through Christian theology as it's presented in the epistles of Paul and others who wrote epistles for the New Testament church, if you follow through the theology, doing the commandments is the natural outflow of somebody who has been born again. So again... It's crazy to get it in your head. You're just going to squeak by. In other words, how do I say this? A dog barks. Why does a dog bark? Because it's his nature to bark. Don't ask me why. It just is. A baby, when it's born, cries. A lot. And everything it finds while it's moving around on the floor when he's in that crawling stage, he puts it in, their, in his mouth or she puts it in her mouth. It's their nature. Don't ask me why. It just is. Alright? It's the nature of a Christian to keep the commandments of God. Keeping those commandments cannot save you because nobody keeps them perfectly all the time. And that's where we need the intercession ministry of Jesus Christ. And we need the mercy of God. The Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy to help in time of need in the book of Hebrews. And so we, we, when we fall short, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is the perpetuation, not only for our sins, but the sins of the entire world. But sin matters. Failing to keep the commandments may just prove that we don't have the proper nature that would indicate that we have been born again. Not perfectly keeping everything all the time, for no human can do that. But as a nature of our life, the way we think is renewed by the Word of God and by the Holy Spirit. And the things that we choose have been transformed by the blood of Christ. And so predominantly the Christian is going to do the right thing. There may come times when they do the wrong thing and need to get forgiveness, and need grace and mercy, and God will always forgive you if you confess it. Confess it means say the same thing about it as God says. But a Christian's nature becomes one who longs to keep the commandments of God. That's what it's saying here. And then you have a right to the tree of life. Glory be to God. For without... What does that mean? For without. For without, outside of the city. Outside of the kingdom of God are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. 
I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. These things. And you know what? Here's something that's amazing to me too. For everybody who says, well, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. You, you don't need to go to church to be saved. I'll give you that. But you cannot be a good Christian without going and attending the house of God. In the time of Bible days, in the New Testament church, the early church, everybody just didn't have a Bible at their house. If they wanted to hear the Word of God, which every Christian does, want to hear the Word of God, they had to go to the assembly and be part of the community. That's God's desire for us even today, even though we have our own Bibles and books and television sets and CD players and radio. Praise God for all of that as a supplement to your local church. And there's no reason for me to beat around the bush about this. You can be saved. But you cannot be a good Christian and you will not receive full reward unless you're in community with other believers. You can mark it down. I'll never say I told you so, but someday you will find out. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and the morning star. And here's a part that I want to come to right here in our study today. And the Spirit and the bride say come. Hallelujah. And the Spirit and the bride say come. And let him that heareth say come. So now you've got the, the message preached. God's desire. The Holy Spirit and the bride and the body of Jesus is calling to the world, come. And then when somebody hears the invitation to come, and they come, and they give their heart to Christ, and they receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and they're washed of all their sins, then they start saying, come to all the people that they know. Hallelujah. And let him that is a thirst come. And there are many thirsty people out there today that are looking for something in their life that satisfies. Something that satisfies. Something that, that can explain to them their life. It's Jesus Christ, my friend. It's salvation by the blood. Hallelujah. And whosoever will that means that salvation is open to all. Whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of, this, of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away His part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so.
Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. These verses conclude the book of Revelation. The truths are confirmed. The sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God has sent His angel to show His servant these things which must shortly be done. And here's another part about that. Let him that is a, uh, holy be holy still. Let him that is filthy be filthy still. And so forth. After the great tribulation and mankind is going with Jesus into the millennium, a thousand years of peace, a thousand years of safety, a thousand years of prosperity, a thousand years of blessing, a thousand years of holiness, no devil to tempt, and then Satan is loosed again for a little season, for a short time at the end of the millennium, and he will begin to once again gather rebels unto himself. But then they had time to repent. God gave them a time to repent before the perfect age were, was called together. They still could have accepted Christ and they could have turned their back on Satan and repented. But then this, as it closes out and goes into eternity future, that time is forever done. Now, there, we taught you there will be natural people throughout eternity and how they will... Um, how all of that will work for them, we're not told. We can't go beyond what the Bible tells us. And so let me say another thing about, about learning and knowledge and, and uh, a thirst for learning new things and stuff like that. It's well and good in its place. But the psalmist declared, I just did a devotion on this not long ago, I don't remember what psalm right off the top of my head, but he said, I don't spend my time looking at things that are too wonderful to me, or too wonderful for me. In other words, I am content with the knowledge God has given me. Now, I, I do my part. I do my due diligence. I, I diligently study the Word of God, and God will illuminate it by His Holy Spirit. He will show us things. He will speak things to us in the Spirit realm and all that yes yes but some of these questions that we have will not be answered in this life and the bible says in another verse of scripture that knowledge puffeth up or knowledge makes men proud do you know that you can actually want so many answers and you're pushing for some things that god does not even intend for you to know in this life and so why bother to worry about it? Nothing wrong with studying. Nothing wrong with saying, oh, I wish I knew the answer to that. Not, that's not wrong. We're not talking about right and wrong. We're talking about keeping your heart Christ-focused. And the knowledge that you want is the knowledge of Christ Jesus. The knowledge of Him. The knowledge of Christ and Him crucified. That should be what your heart after. Amen. And so that's why we're given the Word of God is to learn of Christ. We're not given the Word of God so we can know exactly who the Antichrist is going to be because i got news for you. 
You're not going to know no matter how much you study and no matter how, how hard up you are, so to speak, to find out. You're not going to know because the rapture is going to take place before the Antichrist is revealed. So while it's okay to study, we told you in this study, he's probably going to come from Syria. But I say probably because some, I could be missing something. So could you. All right? Nothing wrong with studying it, but there is something wrong with being obsessed with things that are not meant for us. That's why God forbids us to look into black magic or white magic or any other kind of magic because it's Nephilim technology that was put here by the fallen ones, the watchers, and it is... It is evil and not approved for Christians to study to know all about it. Now, I don't care what, what anybody thinks or anybody says, that's the truth. That's why we're forbidden to, to participate in seances and try to talk to the dead. and all, all of that is out beyond the realm of what is legal for me to look into as a Christian. So sufficient to believe that the people I love and care about who are gone from this earth and died, they are in heaven with Jesus. If they knew the Lord, they are in heaven with Jesus. That is enough for me. I will see them again one day. I don't have to have a conversation with them in a manner that God forbids. I don't let my, I don't allow my hunger for knowledge to encroach into rebellious areas. And there's a whole Bible of stuff that we are supposed to learn about. Learn how to forgive your neighbor. Learn how to love your family and your spouse and how to love your enemies. Learn these things from the Scriptures, from the Word of God. You say, well, I've read that already. Yeah, but each time you read it, God shows you another nuance of its meaning because it's called the living Word. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God forever. And so while it's great to study Bible prophecy or whatever, it's great to study anything, there are limits and there are boundaries. Knowledge puffeth up. I will spend my time praising the Lord. I will spend my time blessing His name. I will spend my time studying the Holy Bible. I will spend my time giving Him praise and glory. I will spend my time obeying His call upon my life, which first and foremost is to call people to come get saved. I will do these things because of His grace in my life and because of His empowerment through the Holy Spirit in my life. And some of the things like, you know, what does this mean or that mean or the other mean I'll study it and if God clears it up for me great and if not I'll study it again we should study every Bible subject we should study Bible prophecy we should study faith we should study the Holy Spirit we should study healing we should study the miracles of Jesus we should study the cross hallelujah we should study the beginning in the Garden of Eden. We should study the book of Revelation where John on the Isle of Patmos closed it out 
And incidentally, there's not any more Scripture being written today. And so you can, do not put the writings of your favorite pastor or your favorite teacher on a par with Scripture. Because when John closed it out, he closed it out, my friends. Yes, he did. We thank God for preachers and teachers. I are one. Bad English, but you get the point. I are one. And I need people to listen to what God gives me to say. And so we should listen to people. We should listen to our brothers and sisters in the Lord and learn and glean from their experiences. But always, always line it up with the Bible, with the Word of God. Okay? So there's things that we're not necessarily going to understand. And one of those things is exactly how the natural people who live throughout eternity in a state like Adam before the fall. Now that's the only information we really have is as we're told in Scripture what life was like before the fall and what life would have been like if there had been no fall, then we can build our imaginations around that. I don't know how all of it's going to work in eternity future. I have not been there yet. I do not live in eternity yet. Praise God. But one day we will know. One day we will experience everything that God has for us. And John, the apostle, saw and heard these marvelous things. He fell down to worship at the feet of the angel. But the angel, the messenger, restrained him, declaring that he was also a fellow servant and one of his brothers of the prophets. He exhorted John to keep the sayings of this book and to worship God. There is a powerful blessing promised if you keep the words and the prophecies of the book of Revelation. Unless you think I tried... To discourage you from studying these things, I did not. We must hear as adults and not children. We should study Bible prophecy. We should study the book of Daniel, the book of Revelation. Every book in the Bible has a prophetic element to it. And that's what we study all the time in reality. And when we read Jesus' words in the Gospels, when we read His homilies, the Sermon on the Mount, and, and all of the parables that Jesus gave, we realize that we must have them applied to our hearts and lives today by the Holy Spirit for the time in which we live, and we live in the last days. And so we, we need to learn last days living so don't think I discouraged you from looking into prophetic things. What I said is, don't let things that you cannot know, such as who is the Antichrist, what's his name. We're not going to know. We're going to be gone. Now, God might share it with us at, you know, on the way up in the rapture. I don't know. He might. And if he does, great. Otherwise, all I know is I've made it. And I'm going to work feverishly to get everyone I love and to get everyone I come in contact with to make it too. And then they won't need to worry about who the Antichrist is either. Okay, so let's hear 
these things as adults, not children. Everybody wants to get mad today. In this day and age in which we're living, everyone wants to take offense. Look, I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. I'm just telling you, and I'm not going to lie to you, and I'm not going to cover it up. And in a preaching setting, I'm not going to spare feelings. I might do that more face-to-face -face with you, try to figure out a way to tell you that will spare your feelings a little bit or whatever. But I'm not going to worry about that in a preaching setting. I'm just going to say what thus saith the Lord, because I love you and I care about you, and I don't want you to just make it through the skin of your teeth great that you're saved. I want you to flourish and I want you to receive every reward that God has for you. And that's the purpose of the fivefold ministry is to help sharpen. We all sharpen one another in the church. Which goes back to we all need to be together on a consistent basis. Wow. All of these implications are coming out of our study of the book of Revelation. It's so wonderful. It's so precious. Verses 10 through 19 give the final instructions to God's servants. His promise, behold, I come quickly, is reaffirmed once again. He will come and his reward is with him. Whosoever desires, let him take of the waters of life freely. The instructions have been given, and they must be heeded. They must not be added to nor taken from. Do not add to or take from. And I think, in, in some ways, perhaps many ways, we have a whole generation of Christians. And honestly, some of them are saved and some of them are not, but they're in church. And they have taken only the Scriptures that they want. Scriptures that promise them the goodies without requiring anything from them. In essence, they are violating the spirit of this scripture right here. We have to take the whole loaf, the whole of the bread of life. Praise God. Praise God. There's more that I could say on those things, but I feel like the Lord would have me to wind this up to close this series out today. Why do you preach these things? Are you meddling? Are you getting in people's business? Are you getting in people's face? No, no, a thousand times no. If that's what you think, you are yet carnal. Jesus told His disciples an interesting thing, and Paul also, in so many words, repeated it to His followers that were learning of Christ through the Apostle Paul. I have many things I could say but you're not ready to receive it. And Paul went on to say, you are yet carnal. I have to give you milk. I cannot give you meat because you're yet carnal. There's some people in the world today, and hey, man, I have been there. For the early years of my Christian life, in many, many, many ways, I found myself as kind of hooked on the milk for a while. You know what I'm saying? 
and meat was too hard to chew. And sometimes I became offended, which shows absolute childishness in Christ. I had some growing that I had to do before I was ready to really handle. And that's the other thing that we have to learn as believers. Two things to this. You need time to grow up. And people who have lived for God for a long time, we need to give you the time to grow up. But it has nothing to do with the words we must preach. But it does have everything to do with how we treat you when we're together and when we're hanging out. We have to understand that everybody is some at some point of growth and development in the process of sanctification. And so we tell the truth in love and we walk together giving the guy a break, man. Give, give the person a break and give them time to grow up. So don't run out of here. And I, I preach pretty heavy prophetic words at times. But it's what God has called me to do. And when I put the prophetic word out there, I'm not judging you. I'm not, I'm not looking down on anyone. I'm simply giving what God's flowing through my spirit. And, and if you don't understand, or if you, if you at this moment don't come into agreement, do what Mary, the mother of our Lord, did, where she hid the message in her heart that the angel brought to her. Just tuck that message away in your heart and ponder it and pray over it and ask God to show you. And as you go through your process, God will keep revealing more and more and more and more to you. Now as we close the book of Revelation, praise God what a time we've had. The last two verses in Revelation 22 pronounce a promise and a prayer, thus ending the book of the Revelation, as well as the Bible. Jesus testifies that He will come quickly. The anticipation and the response of the true believer is, even so, come, Lord Jesus. And the closing benediction is a precious declaration. And here's what it says. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. There's room to grow in grace. There's room to love even our enemies in grace. There's room to learn from the Holy Spirit in grace. There's room to teach others in grace. There's room for every human being on the face of planet Earth. There's room at the cross for you. And the extended invitation to you is, come. Come. Before it's too late, come. Before the door to the ark forever closes, come.
before the last page is finished. Come. Come and receive of the water of life freely. Receive your forgiveness freely. You don't have to be perfect to come. You don't have to be good to come. You don't have to be all that is needed to come. You don't have to clean up your life before you come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and He will clean up your life. He will mature you. He will perfect you. He will do the work in your heart and you'll simply live it out out of love for your Lord and your Savior. And that is how I must end this series on the book of Revelation. So many more things we could say. So many things we, we could study. So many things that we have need to understand. We really need to understand more of the devil's wiles. We need to understand more about what parts of the world to be looking at as we await these end time prophecies to unfold and fulfill. Where should we be looking? Israel, of course, is obvious. And Syria and Iran and Iraq. And we've covered some of that. But we need to know it more. And we need to know it deeper. Absolutely. Come to Jesus. That's the first step. He will teach you. He will show you things you do not yet know. Come to Jesus. First things are first. Make your calling and election sure. God bless you. From my heart to yours, I pray that God's richest blessings will flow over your life. And I pray that you have taken the things that we have said here today and understood them in the Holy Spirit's way as we gave them. And I hope you will receive them and take them to heart. Next week, we'll be coming to you again from a brand new subject. Until then, this is Brother Paxton saying, Go with God, and He will go with you. Bless you.